0: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit hyundaiusa.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. For for, for all things things KC, KC. for everything Chiefs, it's always game. It's always game day in Kansas City. Now here's your hosts Kayla
1: Kinnearum and Cody Tap. Welcome to it's always game day in Kansas City. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcast. Welcome back. I am your host, Kayla Canaram. Joining me as always is my co-host, Cody Tapp, and our producer, Nick Schwart, back from Europe. Guys, gangs back together. How fun. Well, whole,
0: whole crew feels good. Past the holidays. Nick's back from Europe. Uh, you know, we didn't feel like recording an episode on Christmas Eve because we're not monsters and I have right. kids. <laughs> but it feels it, it's nice. It's nice to see all your faces again. It's
2: good to be back, guys. I, I missed you. I missed you guys. And it feel everything feels right in the world once again. Now that the crew is back together.
1: <laughs> Love it. Do we get a quick little Europe recap or no? Do we have time?
2: Yeah. Uh, you know, I'll give you I'll give you the, the rundown. Um, the food trucks are great. They have a great invention with uh, their hot dog buns, like right bratwurst and sausages and stuff. Instead of splitting the bun open, they just take a full roll and they shove it on like this metal rod. Right. And it just sticks a hole right into the bun and they just shove the the sausage in there and they put the sauces, sauces on the inside. And the guy said it's so you don't get sauces everywhere. And I said, dude, for a country in America that loves hot dogs, and bratwurst and polish sausage like how has that such a simple advent not made (laughs) to america yet like i I, there's a million dollar idea just sitting there waiting on the table for us so that's
1: nick get on it that's
2: my that's my european (laughs) recap for you guys
1: your biggest takeaway from europe love that
2: um the street food was incredible okay (laughs) Like I would I would, I would, would not eat that much at dinner and lunch so that I could save room. Cause we were at, we went to these Christmas markets. We went to about 15 of them and they have little trinkets and toys and glue vine, which is just like red wine with cinnamon in it. And they, you drink it hot like tea and it's amazing. You just walk around and drink that. But I mean, the real takeaway was that they have amazing street food. Cody, I tried goulash. It's something completely different over there and it's awesome. It's, just, it's like, much better.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's just
2: like raised beef shoulder. And I tried horse. Oh, wow.
1: Oh, no.
0: Oh, yeah. I oh, hope
1: PETA's not listening.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Boycotting this podcast. Disregard now. all the pigs that I talked
2: about eating over there and the beef, <laughs> the horse. It was no, not. I won't be going back for seconds. I'll tell you that.
1: Ew. Okay, good. <laughs> well, lovely recap. Thanks for that. We America really needs to get Uh, on this hot dog thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Immediately
1: seems much more efficient. All right. Speaking of efficient guys, how about that segue? We didn't get to talk about that Seattle win. So let's give our quick impressions of that game on Saturday. Big win for the chiefs at home.
0: Well, I mean, I was kind of bored, so uh, we could start there. That game was not like glued to your television. Can't miss, must watch action all game. But for mostly what we ask for out of any great team is can you make me feel like there is no chance you will ever lose this game? To me, that's what blowouts are, right? There is no way you and in hell that you are ever losing this game. That game was that. There was never a point, not a moment, not a quarter, not a half, not a moment late. The entire time that game was on, you're like, well, we might as well just wait till the fourth quarter kicks away because this game is over. Like it's just done. Mahomes was efficient enough. The defensive line was dominant and you're like, all right, gino has got nothing going on. They can't take advantage of any of the other circumstances. And Patrick Mahomes looks like he feels like he might just be on one here and there. So good. We don't have to worry about any of this. It didn't come down to any difficult decisions or missed kicks or Or fumbles or mistakes, they went through a turnover-free game in which they won easily. That that felt good to me. It's been a while
2: since we've seen one of those. I mean, if you want to just go back week by week, right? The Texans, we know how that game went. The Broncos, where you built a big lead, let them back in it. You lose to the Bengals. Even the Rams game, the final score was 16. But we talked afterwards where you said... Final score maybe wasn't indicative. You never felt like the Rams had a chance, but they were keeping it just close enough to where you couldn't like turn the TV off and go do something else. Yeah. The Jaguars kind of was the same way. The Titans, Malik Willis having a shot late in that game to lead a game-winning drive. You have to go all the way back to that Niners game two months ago to where you just felt like, and that game was close until the fourth quarter and the Chiefs put it away with some big defensive possessions. So it's been a while. And I know that we don't give away style points. Last year, we sort of rolled our eyes at the pundits who said, well, the Chiefs are winning, but they're not winning by enough. Meanwhile, other teams were losing, but the Chiefs were the ones getting headlines. So that's the the position that you put yourself in when you're the Chiefs and you're the team to beat and you have the target on your back As expectations are heightened, maybe sometimes to an extent that are unrealistic, right? There's a There's a threshold or a bar that you can never meet. This was one of those games against a team that isn't a great team. They're not a Super Bowl contending team, but they're a playoff caliber team that you put away and you dispatched quite easily. It doesn't really mean anything in the long run. It's just nice to see it. It's nice to have one of those games where nobody really has anything to say about your team in the way that you kind of put away another decent team.
0: No, it just felt like easy pickings. Like, eh, we'll just go through this win. We'll do it. And you still got like the moments, right? Like you still saw... Mahomes essentially do a one-handed pushup touchdown on the sideline. Like it still came with some some style points. And it's what you thought it was so cold. The only complaint you'd come out of that game would be like, hey, got gotta cut down on the drops. ok. Well, it was like zero, less than zero. ok. So a bunch of wide receivers dropped dropped a bunch of passes because it was miserably cold. all right. So what? That's it. That'd be the only real complaint coming out of the game. They didn't like, pass too much to run. They didn't just like lose sight of things. They weren't, you know, it didn't matter because it just felt like when you're, when you're that arm's length, you feel good. I will say this, the, the holding down. I know that the Seahawks have been on a, just a a miserable trajectory, but if you look at like their like efficiency, this is still the, the Geno Smith's and the team's worst performance of the year. So as much as it was, it felt like they were just already kind of like leaning into it and feeling that way. They kept a the struggling Seahawks team down. Remember how like going into the Denver game we were like, "Well, this is the worst offense in the NFL and they're playing terribly." And then they let them kind of look good for a minute. You're like, "Really? That's the worst offense in the NFL." At least with Seattle, it's like, "Well, they're struggling." You made them look like a team that was struggling. Like they were struggling and you kept you held them down. That that to me matters a little bit. Keeping teams where they belong. Like if you got a hot team and they play close against you, so what? Like they're playing their best football right now. That's how it felt like against the Texans. But when the Broncos are playing terrible football, and we saw what happened to them again this week, with their head coach getting fired and everything else, and just getting absolutely curb stomped by Baker Mayfield. Like it's, it's easy to like fall into like bad team makes you look good, but it felt good to, to make Seattle look bad.
1: I'll be honest. I was kind of in transit as this game was starting. And then my, my brother and I landed, uh, 15 minutes apart. My bag made it from LA. His bag did not make it from Atlanta. So we had to stay at the airport, figure that whole thing out. By the time I got home, it's the second half, but there wasn't one point of that game where I was worried. And I think that's all we've been asking for the last few weeks is just to have a game with a comfortable lead. Keep it that way. Merry Christmas to all and to all a good night. I, I was very happy with that win.
2: (laughs) You know why we ask for those games? Like the, because it's sometimes You do do a little inventory and say, why do we care so much about having these blowout games where it doesn't matter, where you're not nervous? It's because you can't expect them in the playoffs. So it's nice to have them now to to visibly separate yourself from the teams that don't matter. And the Seahawks aren't quite that, right? They're not the Broncos. They're not the Texans or the Rams, the teams that are absolutely out of the picture, don't even have to discuss them. But they're in that next tier. They're in the teams that don't matter, at least as it pertains to winning a conference championship or going to the, or winning a Super Bowl, right? It's, it's, it's nice to see the visible separation between yourself and the pretenders. And so often in a long NFL season, you don't get many examples of that because it's tough to carry yeah. that mentality week in and week out. And then on top of that, execute, right? You can have that mentality and then just have a bad day at the office right? A few miscues here, bad strategy, boom, all of a sudden, now you're in a tight game against a bad team. We saw it two weeks ago against the Texans. Whereas the next week, it was a team that is decent, not quite on your level, and you made it visibly obvious how, how uh, different, how, how, how much of a gulf there is in between your franchise and their franchise. And if it does anything, it just provides a little peace of mind and a reminder of the haves and the have-nots that, that exist in the NFL.
1: It also gave me my new Twitter header picture. It used to be the one of Mahomes throwing the what is that horizontal throw in the Super oh. Bowl, and now it is him one handed with his the ball touching the pylon.
2: Well, now your now your Twitter yeah. header is a is a play that actually counted. So exactly
1: in a game that we actually won. So yeah.
0: also, That's how exciting. many times is Patrick Mahomes doing inhuman things horizontal <laughs> to the ground, like perpendicular? It's always just like perfectly even, and you're like, I don't know how you're doing that so much. Even his trainer, a guy who does nothing but marvel at the fact that Mahomes is a physical freak, is like, by the way, there's no amount of like drills I can make you do that can make you do that. That's just like he did that. I don't, I don't have to tell you. We didn't like work on that. He just did it. And then in the, uh, if you didn't see the NFL film thing is great because he's like, someone's like, hey man, that boy Gino, I think is faster. And he's like, yeah, but he's like, not when I, he's like, when I'm running scared, he's like, they should have just had someone chase me in my forty. I had to run a four four. It's like when it's like when they're chasing him is when Mahomes is at his fastest. Right when he has to get to the edge is when you never get him.
1: The dazzle, razzle, dazzle and Mahomes will never disappoint. Um, something else that isn't, didn't disappoint on Saturday, guys, the defense had their best game in a long time. Are we going to buy back in right away or are we still a little hesitant?
0: Well, I mean, we did kind of promise ourselves that they were going to have to do something either for the final three weeks or in the postseason to really believe the defense could do it again. But I'll say this about what we saw on Sunday is when Chris Jones is great, they're great. Like you don't need any other caveat like as silly as that is, is I don't care how the corners are playing or Michael Dana or if they're not doing a good job on third down, their defense revolves around a singular player, maybe more than any other defense in the NFL, because that was their best defensive performance in two months, maybe longer. Like that's as good as they've played in a very long time. Oh, and it just so happened to be one of the more dominant games of the season for their best defensive player. That doesn't seem like an accident. The only area in which of the game that they were getting picked on a little bit was the run. And that's because Kansas city had such a commanding lead at that point. They were just conceding it because eventually Seattle would screw up. Seattle needed multiple fourth down tries, right? Cause it could never get it done in three. Just try, 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 right. We need another fourth down, try another fourth down, try another fourth down, try, you know, and every time it came to that moment and they kind of knew what you were going to do, Kansas city, shut them down. This was, this might've been my favorite defensive performance all season from them. The only touchdown they let up, was an absolute, even my wife called it at the time, garbage time. Even she knows. She's like, well, that's a garbage time. I'm like, yeah, this game's over. That's just a late score that means nothing.
2: Well, it's nice to see that you can win in multiple ways. And that has not always been the reality for the Chiefs with Mahomes. In fact, I would argue that more often than not, the reality has been you need him to be great and then hope that your defense can do just enough to win. Now, when you get into the postseason and you're facing Trevor Lawrence or Justin Herbert or Josh Allen or Joe Burrow or Lamar Jackson, oh, wow, every single quarterback in the AFC is a superstar. I don't expect the defense to have performances like they had against Geno Smith, even though, you know, statistically, you could argue Geno's having a better season than some of those guys I just named. It's nice to know that you have multiple pitches. It's nice to know that you have more than one way to win a football game. Nine out of 10 times, you are going to need. That Mahomesian effort and him to look like the MVP that he is. But for one game, like that, that could be a, the wild card game, right? That could be a game against Miami or the Jets or the Patriots. I don't know who the seven seed's going to be, but that could be maybe the game where you could use a defensive effort to say, You're not a good team, then we're going to put you away. You're not a good offense we're not letting you put 1724 on the board. They were doing that early in the season. And then we saw the defense kind of had, had this mid season lull the last two weeks. I, I know that the Texans game, you look at the final score, the box score and you say, wow, like you really let the Texans do that. What'd they have 3.8 yards per play? Like yeah. a really good defensive performance in a game where your offense you know, gave the ball up a couple times and it was just a, a weird game. This defense, I don't want to like jinx them but it seems like they are sort of trending back in the right direction at the right time.
0: Well, and, you know, a couple of things that have plagued the defense didn't there. Like red zone scoring defense. How many times have we bang banged that drum this year? They're, they're, they've been second to last, dead last, third to last, at different varying points of the season, but near last or last. That's all they've been <laughs> this entire time. And they stopped. They stopped them from scoring. And they had to defend a lot in that game. I don't, This is one of those weird stats you probably do. not They were on the field for 73 plays on defense. They had to play a lot of defense in that game because as much as they were holding Seattle down, they were just like running this, like, well, what if we got four yards of play a million times over? And Kansas city was just banking on the fact that well, fine, but eventually you're going to run out of steam on those, those drives. And that's what happened over and over and over and over again. And I think that if I'm going to be critical of red zone scoring defense, which between that and turnovers are their single greatest flaws. They got a turnover, which they do not get all the time. And they were great in the red zone on defense. Okay, well, then I get to see when you do those two things well in a game, then you get to cruise to easy victory. So I'm not just like bought back in and saying things are all solved and this is a problem, but that it was at least reassuring, you know, a couple of weeks before the postseason that they're still capable of it. Well, and it's the idea that you don't need to be great.
2: You just need to be. Average because if we're making a scatter plot of all the defenses in the NFL, right? Here are the good ones, here are the good pass defenses, here are the good run defenses. 20 of the 30 teams are gonna be sandwiched right in the middle of that XY axis, right? Yeah. And you have the Niners up here sort of by themselves, and you'll have the, the Bears down here all by themselves in the bad defense. You just don't want to be down there in that bottom quadrant, right? You, you don't need to be the Niners. You don't need to be the Ravens. You don't need to be the Patriots. You just need to be good enough because you know the other side of the ball, you're going to have an advantage over every team in the NFL. Just make sure on defense, you're not a liability. And that was the big question coming into the season, right? We can make it yep. about what we've seen this year. But going back to the conversations we had in the preseason, that was the expectation. Don't have to be great. Just don't be a liability. And there were times this season where you said, uh, is this defense kind of turning into a liability? I don't think we're asking that right now with two games to go.
1: I'll be the one who's fully bought back in.
0: <laughs> it's good. We need a right we need positive we're energy. back. <laughs> we're back.
1: <laughs> All right, guys. Speaking of defense, does Chris Jones need a big postseason to submit his legacy?
0: Simply put, yes. I mean, <laughs> he I don't I don't even know that he can deny it at this point. He has zero postseason sacks. None. That is shot. Like Frank Clark is like sixth all time in postseason sacks. Like just from sheer volume of postseason games you play, you're supposed to run into a couple. OK, fine. In the year he got 15 and a half sacks, they played in a single postseason game and then they got knocked out, right? So he only had the one game in a year in which he was great to do it. Well, he, we know he's playing in more than one postseason game this year. He has 12 sacks. He's coming off his second best sack season. He's an interior defensive lineman. Aaron Donald's had big playoff moments. You're never going to be him. No one's ever going to watch you retire and say that. But i tell you this much. Chris Jones has had a good enough or great enough, regular career to start, that Hall of Fame's not out of the question. He could end up there one day, but the only way to end up there is to get postseason sacks. Like you, the regular season, if you just continue on about your day, fine. Maybe you'll just end up there. It's going to be a long, long shot, but you can still do it. But it's just like the postseason matters so much to him. He has to start doing it, especially because what we just said, they need him to win on defense. They look their best when he's great.
2: I, like part of me wants to say, it's an anomaly that he hasn't had a. I mean, he was played in 12 games. 12 lot, postseason game. I mean, imagine that's crazy. Imagine if Chris Jones had played in 12 games, like we started a regular season and he had zero sacks for the first 12 weeks. We'd say, like, bench him, right? Like, he he's he's not say, what it. the hell's wrong with him. He's not the same player. <laughs> that's not how the postseason works. And we all know that because. <laughs> Well, I mean, if you did the same thing with Frank Clark, to Cody's point, uh, he'd have 11 sacks through 14 games. And you'd say, you'd hey, sign him to $150 million contract Frank extension. Frank Clark contract <laughs> extension? By the way, Cody, you shortchanged the Shark. He's oh, no. fifth all-time oh, in post-sacks. Oh. He has 11 in 14 games, one behind <clears throat> Reggie White, perhaps <laughs> the greatest pass rusher Dude. in the
0: history of football. And the four above him are Terrell Suggs, playing a bunch, Bruce Smith, playing a bunch, and Willie McGinnis, who might have played in more postseason games than any defensive end in history.
2: He has one less than Reggie White in five less games. So, like, there's a decent chance Frank Clark could be third in NFL history. Can we change this topic to Frank Clark and <laughs> perhaps being enshrined in the ring of honor by having, I mean, if Frank Clark gets five sacks this postseason. Uh, that puts him at 16. Tied for most all time. Is Frank Clark a Hall of Famer?
0: He's going to be a Chiefs Hall of Famer because if he gets five sacks this postseason, they're winning the damn Super Bowl. There, there's almost no doubt about that. I can lock that in, couldn't you? If I guaranteed you Frank Clark five postseason sacks, we're done here, right? Give him the trophy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But that's it with Jones. Like, it, like what's crazy, what drives you crazy about Jones is if he showed up, uh, the Cincinnati game is the most obvious thing. He gets one Damn sack in that game and they win. I don't even need five, Nick. He gets one. That one when he's got Burrow draped on his back. If he just rips him down that time, they're going to the Super Bowl again. And they were better than that LA team. So it's just this. It's the same thing. It's like maybe they don't win. Maybe the game gets weird, whatever. But they're better than that team that eventually won the Super Bowl against Cincinnati. And it's like if you could just show up once, we could lock in a win here. I know that the Chiefs can win a Super Bowl if Chris Jones gets zero sacks. They've done it. It sure seems like it'd be a lot easier because in the Super Bowl they won, they were down ten in all of those games. Every single game they were down double digits or more, and the games they came up short, it felt like the pass rush came up short. Like that's the whole legacy Chris Jones thing. Like he'll end up a Chiefs Hall of Famer no matter what. But do you want you want a chance for bigger, greater? You want to be on this list, and you know, like you're never going to be on. You're not going to get ten or eleven or Frank. But if he plays with the Chiefs for another four years. He might play in another 10 postseason games yeah but what do you chalk it up to because it's a it, we're talking
2: about pass rushing here right yeah so it's not some I'm, and i'm totally i could be naive on this it's not a position i exactly look at and say uh maybe he's in his own head a little bit it's like no dude you're it's you're strong and fast you're moving this guy out of the way i I'm not saying it's not a mental game where you don't have to be smart to play that position, but it's not like playing wide receiver or cornerback where you get the, like you, Chris Jones is an earth mover, like move the guy. That's why I'm like, is he, I don't, is it
0: mental? Cause that doesn't make, it just doesn't register for me. I think there's a, I think, I think there's maybe just a little bit of that, but I think the much bigger thing is, is when you get do a postseason game, you're like, what the hell do we got to do to win this game? And every team decides you know what? Let's just stop that guy. I don't care about any other defensive player on the entire field. We could just leave Frank Clark unblocked. Doesn't matter to me, but we're going to put three guys on him. Like I think everyone just buys into the we will do anything to stop Chris Jones, which goes back to the whole conversation about why the Chiefs need a pass rush help, why they need Frank Clark to be good, or Loftus who's been getting hot, or Mike Dana, who's gotten a couple of sacks here recently. It's why they need those guys in those games because all of those guys, Nick, are going to get one-on-ones all together. And I still think that Chris Jones has just got to beat a double team sometimes. You know why? Because they're going to double team you a lot and you should be used to it by now. Yeah. But who's doing, who, who in the NFL is beating double teams, Aaron Donald. And this yeah. year, sometimes Chris Jones, but this is also why they move them around. This is why they put them on the outside. They put them in spots where it's a lot harder to do it. So it's like for the occasional time, because no one double teams, a guy 60 defensive snaps, right? They don't just do it 60 times in a row. All right. So for the five that it's not a second guy on you, you have to get a sack. in one of those five, those snaps are really important. Those ten snaps where you're not double team, those are really important snaps because those are the ones that we're expecting you to get through.
2: I think he just needs to get a sack. In the let's assume the Chiefs get the two seed. He needs to get a sack in the first quarter of that first wild card game.
1: Is this year, really Caleb? set the tone. Does he, does he yes. get a sack this year? This is the year. I can feel it.
2: I, I hope mean, you're right. I'm mean, ready. I mean, playing the numbers game. I hate the idea that he's due, but in this in this sense, it, it, this is the perfect application <laughs> of that word. More than due, he will have who he will be playing in his 13th postseason game. He's been playing at an incredibly high level for the entirety of his career. Generally, guys who play play well and play for a long time, they accrue statistics, and in his case, sacks, and he just doesn't have them. That's why I feel like like, it's going to happen. He just needs to get that first sack out of the way, and then I feel like the rest it will kind of take care of itself.
1: What is he on the season now? 12?
2: 12, yep.
1: And that's, he's having one of the best years that he's ever had, right? This
0: is his second best year from a sack total already, even if he gets zero more in the final two games.
1: That tracks. Yes, it's going to happen this postseason. I agree. should we bet?
0: No, <laughs> no. I, I, I think we're all on the same page. Oh, mean, okay, like,
1: great.
2: Who could bet against that? like who?
1: Right. Would, why would we want to bet against that?
2: Yeah, he's going to play three games, but like he won't get any sacks. <laughs>
1: I'm on Sudafed. <through> <laughs> just ignore what I'm saying. <laughs> um. Okay. Well, there was some big news this week, guys. Broncos have officially fired Nathaniel Hackett. Does Wilson ever make a difference in this division?
0: Well, well, Hackett's not. Um, That is one of the, that's going to go down as one of the worst head coaching hires of all time. Fortunately for Hackett, a worse one in Urban Meyer took place last (laughs) year. So, you know, good news for you. You're not going to have to pass him on the list of worst hires of all time uh, because he was (laughs) both an awful football coach and awful human. By all accounts, Nathaniel Hackett seems like a swell dude. He is just burdened with what has been the most unfortunate quarterback situation ever because his general manager and his team traded for a guy who was once an all pro and a super bowl winner paid him 250 million dollars and he stinks he's real bad and no okay let's answer your question he will never matter in this division i don't care what coach they get here they can get sean payton who reportedly they're interested in or some other offensive guru and russell wilson will get better but we've now seen Nobody gets this bad and then just bounces back unless you're Nick Foles and it's literally for like four games. So that's it. It is, it's over. The Broncos will not matter in this division under the Russell Wilson era. And that might be the worst head coaching job vacancy that will be available this year.
1: Two thoughts. Um, First of all, we were watching sports center last night and their headline was savage. It said something like let's ride dot, dot, dot out of town. um, Talking about the firing. Also, The Sean Payton thing is interesting because isn't he rumored to have been like being putting together a coaching staff? And isn't that defensive coordinator, Vic Fangio?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Is that awkward? Welcome Vic Fangio back as defensive coordinator. He was really good at that job. Who cares? Right. You know, he had a good defense the entire time he was in Denver. What's the harm? That's true. So what's, what's weird about Russ is that
2: it was all very highly publicized how and why he left seattle right this power struggle wanting to have more influence wanting to have more say in transactions in player acquisitions in uh, offensive philosophy and it was he pete's pete Pete carroll just kind of button heads right so russell wilson says okay i want i want to hand pick my offensive coordinator Pete carroll says You go out and you pick whoever you want. Go out and pick your offensive coordinator. We'll hire him. So what's he do? He goes and hires Shane Waldron, the offensive coordinator from the Los Angeles Rams. A ton of success under Sean McVay. Russell Wilson has perhaps his worst season. Now he had the broken finger, but even before that he wasn't playing well. Even when he came back, he wasn't playing well. So then he goes to Denver where he meets up with Nathaniel Hackett who came from Green Bay. Matt LaFleur, who came from Sean McVay. And what Sean McVay's coaching tree, which has been wildly successful, has all been predicated on is play action, run game, turn your back to the offense, which works when you have a normal quarterback. It doesn't work when your quarterback's five four, But Russell Wilson, <laughs> at least to the naked eye, lacks any semblance of self-awareness i have no doubt that russell wilson (laughs) i have no doubt that russell wilson wants to like put in the work and 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 improve and i I know that because he tells you how much he works and that's the true sign of someone who works a lot (laughs) that's not true is it if i tell yeah if i tell you i'm so busy i'm I'm so hard i'm the hardest (laughs) worker nobody works harder than me that's how you know hey this guy works really hard It's not that like, I think Russell Wilson is completely devoid of talent. It's that I think he is completely devoid of the self-awareness that it takes to look inward and say, I'm the problem. Not, oh, we just need to tweak a few things. And if we fix this and fix this, because I think that's who he thinks he is. He, he, he is viewing this as like a GM. Like I'm going to, I'm going to move some pieces around and we're going to change a few things and tweak a few things where he was viewing it like an offensive coordinator. If we just change playbook and do it, do different things with different personnel. You're a quarterback and you're one who's passed his prime. And meanwhile, that offensive coordinator that you hand selected, Shane Waldron is leading a top 10, maybe top five passing attack in the NFL led by Geno Smith, who has been a career backup. If that is not the clearest indicator of Russell Wilson being Nathaniel Hackett was not built to be a head coach but to act as though he was the sole reason that this thing has fallen apart would be so incredibly disingenuous. I think Russell Wilson can still like, he he can do things in the NFL. I don't think he will ever have the attitude that will allow him to do the things in the NFL that he needs to, to be successful. I'm sorry. That was a very long winded answer. <laughs> no, Is it,
1: I don't I mean, think I was Russell say,
2: Wilson will ever matter.
1: Nick, tell us how you really feel. Well, I mean,
0: Taylor. I mean, here's the thing. So he could go one of two ways. We both have friends who like have these big life altering moments. And they're like, you know what, man, I need to change some things about who I am and what I do. And I'm seeing that some of the, like the way I am acting towards men or women is creating this or the offensive environment. I want, and there's other people who stick for life. You still know them. They're 40 and they're like, you know, my boss, Jim is a problem. I'm like, that's the ninth bad boss you've had in a row, man. I don't know how to break it to you. They don't all suck. You suck. It's like, it's the simplest solution. They're not the asshole. It's you. You're the asshole. It's that's a really hard thing to come to grips with for some people. Some do adjust. And if he doesn't this year, then you never will, Nick, to your point, because this is the worst year of his career. It's real bad.
2: It's like, yeah, you mean you stole it. Like for me, like the saying I think of is if you meet a jerk once a month, you just met 12 jerks. If you meet a jerk every day of the year, you're the jerk, right? And it's tough to, to look at the person who is the face of your organization, who you handed the keys to your team to along with one of the richest contracts in NFL history eight months later and be like, hey, you're the problem. You can't do it. There is nobody in the building who can do it because anybody in the building who could do it is probably getting fired this season or already has. And Nathaniel Hackett's gone. George Payton, probably gonna be gone. You have a new ownership group who I'd imagine is going to clean house and we have no idea like what they're going to do as owners because they're brand new, right? The Broncos were just sold last year. So this is all such a mess. You mentioned, you brought in Sean Payton. I know you just said it in passing, Cody. Yeah. Sean Payton is not going anywhere near this vacancy. He left I the wouldn't. Saints because they had no money, they had no flexibility. You think he's going to go to a team with no money, no flexibility, and a quarterback who stinks? Like I'd rather no. be the coach of the Panthers. I would rather be the coach of the Carolina Panthers than the right. Denver Broncos. And who would have said that
0: eight months ago? None of us. Can we talk about just for just two seconds? I know that we got to move on to some other stuff. It's a Wednesday, so we're going to do a vibe check. But
1: we could talk about this the, forever.
0: How 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 funny it is that the interim head coach is the guy he hired in the middle of the season because he couldn't handle simple situational stuff. They let that guy be the interim. They're like, we know you only got here like six weeks ago, but sure, man, you coach, we don't care. Like they wanted the least threatening person in that job imaginable to try to attract the next head coach. And of course they get the Broncos this week. So now we get to do this all over again.
1: How long are they... Stuck with Russ, by the way. What's that contract look like?
0: Uh, they try to cut him next year. It'd be 106 million in dead cap. So probably not next year. Based on the contract, I think you'd have to wait at least two years to get rid of him. I think
2: it's longer. I think you got to go to like 2027, 2026. Or no, 2026. So, I mean,
0: wait, yeah. three or four years, probably. But go ahead and start selling every valuable asset <laughs> you have outside of like, because you're in rebuild. Those players are not going to be good by the time you're good again. You can hold on to Justin Simmons and you can hold on to a few others, but Somebody wants Jerry, Judy. They're all yours this offseason.
1: <laughs> Music to the Chiefs ears. We'll take it. All right, guys. It is time for our weekly vibe check. Who would like to go first?
0: Is yours going to be hot dog related, Nick? Because if it is, I think you should probably <laughs> go first.
2: No, mine, is, mine, is, uh, mine is very specific. I know we were going to do this later, but peeling the curtain back, we ran long on the Russell Wilson stuff. So I'm just going to do this now. Um, I was gone. I was out of the country for 10 days and I feel like I was gone for two years. So my vibe, <laughs> my vibe check is, uh, back to the future because I feel like I am in a, I am in a space now where Trevor Lawrence is good again, right? He's back to being the guy who we thought he was coming out of college. He's uh, Trevor Lawrence's yeah. top five quarterback, uh, Jarek McKinnon is the best running back in football. What
0: the the hell happened? He's Marshall Falk in your absence. Someone explained to me
2: how in two weeks time, Jarek McKinnon went being from like a guy in a timeshare to like the most important player in the Chiefs offense. Oh, and by the way, even though a month ago we said it was over and then two weeks later, it's like, oh no, it's out. Now it's Jalen Hurts. Oh, so now we're just back to Patrick Mahomes being the runaway favorite. And actually, like, there's no not even a point in betting on anybody else to win the MVP. It's two. I was for 10 days. All right. I feel like a parent who just came home after a weekend and the kid had a keg party and trashed the house. It's like I was I wasn't even gone that long. And you managed (laughs) to do all
0: of this while I was away. It makes it harder to understand, but Jalen Hurts got just hurt. He got hurt. Also, if you'd missed it, Tua has had like maybe nine more concussions. Oh, this yeah. Time, oh, gone. yeah. And Tua Tungvalu. Oh, my, oh, my gosh. gosh.
2: And the team that we thought was going to be like a three. Early in the season, we were like, are the
0: Dolphins the third best team in the AFC? Now it's like, are they going to make the playoffs? Are they going to let the Jets in instead of them? And the answer might be yes. <laughs> Patriots or the Steelers? You mean to tell me that the Steelers still have a shot at the playoffs? Oh, yeah. You missed that part, too. Yeah, the Steelers are still technically alive for the postseason, which, by the way, should cement. They should, this offseason, give Mike Tomlin a lifetime contract. Yeah. As long as you want to be the coach here, go nuts. Because you got that team to 500, kudos. I don't even know where to start. I don't even know how he did it. But he did it because Mike Tomlin is one of the five best coaches in the NFL. So we all kind of cycle back through. It's 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 borderline It's borderline incredible. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, I'm going to go with a family one this time. So for the people listen to podcast, I've got a couple of kids and I would say that right now, what I feel like the chiefs offense still is to a point is kind of how my kid is with her now favorite Christmas gift from her grandparents. She got a Nintendo switch and all it has been for the better part of three days is how does this work? (laughs) <laughs> how does it work depending on the games and how does it work on two player, three player, old games, new games. And so I feel like my vibe for the chiefs right now is just work through the kinks for the next couple of weeks until you figure out what your optimal offense is. Cause there's still times when I think they're guessing a little, little bit because all of a sudden Jarek McKinnon's a star where they're trying to figure out which wide receivers are here, when, and McCole Harman will be back. So they'll have their full compliment. And over the next two weeks, they're just going to have to tinker a little bit till they find the perfection. It's not like we're not all enjoying it and it's not working. It's going great. Ruby played Just Dance for like a better part of the day today. It's working. We're just all trying to figure out the rest of it to make sure that it works its best. We did download how uh, NES and the SNES games today, so that, that felt like a good win for me. I like
2: how you're trying to seamlessly slide in the name of the game like Just Dance as if we're all just like, oh. <laughs>
0: no, it's just a dance <laughs> Well, she Sign me
1: up. That- Can I come over and play with Ruby? That's
0: sure. She absolutely. She made me play just dance earlier today, which makes me look like a fool because I was dancing to um, Mr. Blue Sky by ELO. But, you know, you got to like, you know, move your arms. It's a lot, man. I <laughs> feel like a fool doing it. But the six year old doesn't judge me. Don't we're going to
1: need video show. of that.
0: We all, uh, we all know you're an incredible dancer. <laughs> just you're great man.
2: You're a great man. But you're an even better dancer. Yeah, it, it's true. It's true.
0: Everybody knows that about me, Kayla.
1: She had to get it from someone.
0: Yeah, exactly. She's great. She's doing a great job.
1: Oh yeah. Nick missed our whole dance dad talk.
0: Mm. Oh yeah, Cody, man. Cody I've, killed it. I had to apply liquid blush. <laughs> that's you know, I had to learn some stuff.
1: Okay. Okay. I'm looking.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I had to really learn some stuff, Nick.
1: <laughs> oh gosh, that's so good. I don't I've never used liquid blush. Look at you. Wow.
0: If you need help applying it, I've got you got you covered.
1: Noted. Okay, guys, my vibe check is pretty straightforward, and that is MV Pat. There's no question. Give him the MVP. First in yards, first in touchdowns, first in QBR. Guys, he's having the best season since his last MVP, if not better, and he's doing it all, with, all without Tyreek. We've talked about this at length. Um, a quick tweet I saw. Patrick Mahomes has officially joined Peyton Manning and Tom Brady as the only quarterback in NFL history oh, there's the only QBs in NFL history with four seasons of sixty six plus completion percentage forty five hundred plus passing yards and thirty five plus passing Tds and he's only in his fifth season as a starting quarterback um Kurt Warner, one of the greats tweeted forget all the physical stuff Patrick Mahomes can do uh he, he can do it all his feel for the game is the best I've ever seen crazy thing is if he wasn't so physically talented I don't think we would truly be able to understand that I mean just take a gander through Twitter. Everyone freaks out about him. I mean, and then to seal the deal that touchdown at the very end where he's literally keeps his body in the air, one hand down, gets the ball to the pylon. It's insane. Give him the MVP. But, and let's win it's win Super Bowl.
2: What's most impressive is that, you know, we've talked all year about narratives and how a lot of this stuff is story driven. So uh, Jalen Hurts was a really good story because he's a guy who, coming into the season. We didn't even know if he was going to be the, the long-term answer there. Josh Allen, Joe Burrow. Those are guys where we knew they were great, but it's like, okay, maybe it's, maybe it's Josh Allen's turn. Maybe it's Joe Burrow's turn. And all along, I know we were like chiefs fans were like, well, you guys are not watching because Mahomes Holmes is doing MVP stuff every single week. And he's making like the play of the week every yeah. week. And he's making game winning plays every week. But it just felt like, no, maybe the national narrative is sort of ready to give it to somebody else. And yet he was able to overcome all of that with two games to go. He's minus 500, barring the Chiefs losing two games and him being the reason because of it. Like, this is his award. You're right, Kayla. And it's it's pretty impressive knowing that it felt like at times people didn't
0: maybe really want to get Well, and it's, it's, you'll see people from all across and certainly people who cheer for other fan bases, you know, when he's won it and he should have won it when they start coming with weak gas excuses for why they shouldn't like the tweet i saw uh, yesterday day before from a, from a Bill's beat writer, You're like, Hey, are we not going to talk about Josh Allen winning the MVP? He's got a bunch of good numbers too. And he beat Patrick Mahomes head to head once you like, that was in September. I don't give a shit about that. Like, how can <laughs> I care about a September or October win? What are you talking about? Your team lost to Mike White. Mike White doesn't deserve to be runner-up for MVP. That's not how MVPs work. Guys in second place don't get it just because they beat the other guy. Josh Allen has less yards, less touchdowns, less total yards, more interceptions, a lower completion percentage. They have the same record. They just happen to play each other in one of those games. Like, don't look for weak reasons. Give me a real reason why. And you can't. You don't have a real reason why Patrick Mahomes shouldn't win the MVP.
1: Nope. Game, set, match. It's his. Okay, guys. Anything else we want to say before we close out today's show?
0: No, I look forward to dunking uh, more on the Broncos on Friday, but I'll be it for that.
1: And,
2: I'm, you know, and I just want to say, I'm nervous that Cody so many times this year has been like, I won't, I refuse to, this is my code. I refuse to take this team seriously. No. <laughs> <laughs> He's done that That's about a so dozen good. times and every time he does it, it ends up being some sort of nail-biter where the Chiefs barely <laughs> win in overtime. So, uh, just as a preview. I'll be careful Friday, on Friday. Please refrain from any sort of bold proclamations.
1: <laughs> Fine. Nick, that is such a good Fine. point. And that was a great impersonation.
0: Thank you. I mean, <laughs> Second only to Terry Bradshaw, who <laughs> only people of this podcast won't understand, but he once mimicked me many times. It hurt my feelings.
1: I feel like that'd be the highest compliment.
0: It was. It was pretty funny.
1: <laughs> okay. So for more Broncos bashing uh, come back on Friday. That's going to do it for us today. That is Cody Tapp. He is Nick Schwartz. I am Kayla Caneram. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. This is It's Always Game Day in Kansas City, and we will see you guys next time.